Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby from Oregon. Hi, I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, it's uh, been a very exciting last week of November and first few days of December for tornadoes. How in the world is this happening? I thought we were into meteorological winter. Uh, We are, but if you ask anyone at the weather service here, they will tell you that Tornado season for Oklahoma starts January 1st and ends December 31st. So there's no there's there's no right or wrong time for a tornado. And we had a pretty decent long track, a pretty strong tornado on Friday in eastern Oklahoma. And it was on the ground last I saw 60 plus miles and it was, I think, an EF3. So, I mean, are we in May? Are we in November? We, we don't know. We don't right. know. And, you know, we've talked a lot on this show, especially about your spring chase season and then your fall chase season. This obviously is outside that quote-unquote window. But as you said, you can really have tornadoes in the south and in the Midwest all year long. And I know Thursday and Friday kind of kicked off this wave. But, Bonnie, throughout the weekend, we've had numerous tornadoes across the south. We, you know, you and I just talked about this before we started taping. Um, there was a major supercell that went through Tennessee that I believe at one time had three he- uh, hook echoes on it. So, you know, if you didn't know it was late November or December, you would think this was maybe even, you know, April, May, June, somewhere in there when we really do get these giant tornadoes, long track tornadoes and these classic supercells. It was incredible. And all three of those hook echoes were like gorgeous. They mm-hmm. n- None of them looked raggedy or disorganized. Like they were well-defined, beautiful, lined up. You would think it was the same one that had been like photoshopped next to each other or something. Right. Like maybe so. like the progression shot where, you know, every, yeah. every three or four minutes you take a shot of the radar and you just look at where it's going. But no, to have that all happen at one time, man, just I'm, I'm really blown away about how awesome that was because you don't see that. And, you know, again, it's another, for me, meteorological first to look at this, uh, you know, the same complex of storms can create, you know, three hook echoes. And, you know, to my really untrained eye in terms of radar meteorology, it looked like the same storm. So just, you know, something really cool, something different. But, man, um, you know, it feels like it's May. I'm ready to chase. Right. Right. Well, that's all winding down now. And here comes the winter weather. And serious cold air coming down from Canada, so it's it's about to get interesting here. Right. Do we get to blame Canada for the cold air? I mean, I think we can blame Canada for whatever we want to blame them for. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. They did re-sign NAFTA this week. We won't talk politics here on the show, but, you know, they were part of the new NAFTA agreement, so, or the, sorry, the new American agreement, whatever you want to call it, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay to blame Canada, especially when they want to send us cold air. However, during the winter, we like Canada for their cold air. It brings us snow. It brings us, you know, sleet, freezing rain, other fun types of precipitation, and um, occasionally, if you're lucky, you can get, you know, one of those really cold clear days that just make winter very very beautiful 
But for me personally, give me eight inches of snow and I'll be happy. Right, exactly. And see, and that's what we're all doing. We're all sitting over here on the edge of our seats right now because the storm is coming through Thursday night into Friday and it's all timing and it is all temperature. And that's that's the deal. It's like we know there's going to be precipitation and we know it's going to be cold. But how much of it's going to be freezing rain, sleet, snow, we have no idea. And we won't know basically until it's happening. So it's like it's all speculation at this point. Right, you know, and it's exciting. You know, we call it wish casting. You know, we yeah. mo- we model ride. We sit there and we look at every update every six hours, depending on what model you're looking at. And it's crazy. So you guys are going to get the brunt of the cold air in Oklahoma. We mm-hmm. get some spillover here up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and we'll talk about this when we get into our forecast of what's going to happen between the two states. But um, we basically get this high pressure. You know, east of the Cascades, we have either surface lows or mid. Uh, atmosphere lows that come up the Oregon coast or are sitting out there and we get the gorge effect wind. So again, we're looking at an east wind that will start to ramp up today and tonight uh, and it will just blow this cold air into the Portland metro area. They're saying temperatures might get down into the upper 20s in some of the outlying areas, definitely into the lower 30s in the metro area. But uh, winter is definitely here. Like we said, December 1st is meteorological winter starting. So body we have three months of winter to look forward to and hopefully we all see snow at some point hey and we're we're kicking off winter with a bang right now you know we had a little winter precip in november we got a good little little dusting of snow there an inch or two so that was good but this one's looking to be a little more significant but it's still kind of on that line of just a little bit of impact or it could go to be major impact you know what i mean and so it's really all based on timing it's based on how deep that cold air goes how quick it goes like it's winter weather is so incredibly difficult to forecast and to me that's what makes it so interesting is because it every layer of the atmosphere matters to determine what's going to happen and that's why the models can never get it right exactly because they can't possibly forecast every inch of the atmosphere from here to however many thousand feet up, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know how many sites in Oklahoma do balloon launches? Um, like on a daily basis, man, I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong answer and look like a dummy, but I really want to say, okay, for sure. One, Norman, but I want to say there's like two or three other places that okay. launch balloons. So I'm guessing it's probably then it's like the same here in Oregon where it's just National Weather Service offices that are doing the balloon launches. Yes, but I also want to say that maybe, maybe some of the Air Force bases do too, okay. but I, I'm just not sure. Okay, so I, you know, the reason why I say that is because you just brought the point, you know, there's a different level of the atmospheres, and unfortunately, because we're only launching balloons every you know, 12 hours to kind of get that, you know, 2D look or full 3D look of the atmosphere in terms of the levels, um, where the warm air is, where the cold air is, you know, what the precip is. It's very interesting because like out here in the Pacific Northwest, we launch our balloons from Salem. There is no Mm -hmm. National Weather Service office in Salem. Um, It's just where they launch it. And so we have three sites in the state of Oregon. Oregon is very similar to the size of Oklahoma. And... You know, there's a lot of different microclimates just in, you know, the Pacific Northwest region. And so, again, models don't handle it very well because there's honestly not a whole lot of data points to come into. 
some exactly. mo- some high resolution models do really well with it, but other models don't. And so when you're launching a balloon every 12 hours, you know, it kind of paints an incomplete picture. But right, at least it gives it, you a general idea. Exactly. And, you know, I know sometimes during severe weather outbreaks and other times that they'll do special balloon launches just to help kind of get a profile for the atmosphere to help put more data into a model. But, yeah. you know. But I, they can't do that all the time because that's it's expensive to do that. Exactly. And, you know, and it, 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 air masses are so funky shaped you know they're not just like perfect squares so really where you launch a balloon right where you launch it it might be cold but you know two feet over is where the warm air starts or something and you have no idea because the balloon didn't hit that spot so it's just you know it's like we work with what we've got and really we do good you know it's we're not far off we don't forecast 20 inches of snow and get a dusting you know what i mean so It's not like we're forecasting crazy things that never happen, but, you know, it's just so difficult and unfortunately people don't get that. And so all they see is what's what what we get wrong, what the meteorologists get wrong. Exactly. If you want to make money in this field, you can come up with a way to do a, you know, a a true 3D profiler of the atmosphere at all points, you know, at all times. And then you're going to have constant data, which would just be amazing. Could you imagine, though, how accurate our models would be? If we oh my God, constant... if we launch balloons from all of our mesonet sites, there's like 75 mesonet sites or something like that in yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah, just from the state of Oklahoma. And, you know, if you want to pull up the data from the MesoWest network, which is what um, the National Weather Service, you know, West Coast region or West region does, where they it's run out of the University of, Wa- of Utah down in Salt Lake City. But they tie together all these, you know, professional weather stations, the ASOS stations, the airports. Uh, TV mm-hmm. station sensors, home stations, and all this data is built in. And yeah, there's some that are unreliable, but for the most part, they're you know pretty spot on. But that's constant data being fed in, and that's great. That's just ground truth. It's not you know an upper atmosphere profiler. Um, exactly. We had there's outside the city of Portland. There's a place called the West Hills. It's a basically it's a mini mountain range that spans from the Columbia River down through Portland. Uh, it divides Portland from the west and east side uh, of the metro area and kind of goes down into Tualatin and it kind of you know flattens out as you get down south of Wilsonville. Well, all the TV and radio towers for the most part are in a couple places on the West Hills. One of the TV towers that is still standing for a long time had a temperature gauge at 500 feet, 1,000 feet, and 1,500 feet up. So with that data, you were able to see the temperature layers at 500 feet, 1,000 feet, and 1,500 feet, which was fantastic in like an east wind event where you knew that the east wind had been pumping cold air in and had it pooled, you know, over Portland. And here we had a nice cold front coming. So we knew that the cold air was at least 1,500 feet thick. Uh, But then you'd get a southerly wind that would slowly start to erode you know, the cold air up top, and eventually you would see at 1,500 feet, the temperature would go from 30 degrees to 57 degrees, but even 1,000 feet down was still freezing. So it would turn, you know, go from snow to freezing rain, but you could see this, and you had this vertical profile of the atmosphere. Unfortunately, that thermometer and the temperature gauges are no longer public information. I don't even think they're active anymore. So, you know, when when you lose that type of data, you're kind of bummed because... 
uh, you have this 3D picture of the atmosphere and all of a sudden it's just not there. See, and that is what is so crucial with dealing with winter weather. And yep. that's what I keep saying about this Friday is we don't know where the warm layer is going to be, how thick it's going to be, if there's even going to be one. For right. all we know, it could be cold top to bottom and then it'll just be straight snow. And so if we having that is just, that would solve so many problems, right. you know? So I don't know if... I kind of don't know why there isn't any of those anywhere. Is it just expensive? Are those kind of thermometers expensive? Or It could be. Or, I mean, it, it, the the temperature gauges and the temperature reporting stuff was part of um, the Oregon Department of um, Environment. So, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, DEQ. So the Department of Environmental Quality is the ones who ran it. And so they had it up on the tower for a long time. And then all of a sudden, just one day, they stopped reporting. And I know a couple of the chief meteorologists made phone calls and they're like, yeah, it's just a program that we're not really going to be using anymore. We're going to keep the air particle monitors up and running, but we really don't care about temperature. And like everybody in the weather community, like massively freaked out saying, whoa, hold up here. We all care about it. We really want these to stick around because it is very important. You are giving a 3D profile and a temperature layer profile of the atmosphere. And we need that, especially in winter weather, because... I mean, you have some raw sites or some other, you know, mesonest, you know, meso west sites like up in the coast range, but those are, you know, forty miles outside the city of Portland. So okay, so by the time you get to that height up in the mountains, again, it's not in a metro area. But when you have, you know, all these people in one area and you have that temperature profile, you really can see, you know, what's gonna happen over the city and now you're having to guess and rely on you know, other stations that are nowhere near, you know, as close. And so it just, it's one of those things where, man, if, if you could get that, that profile from top to bottom, you know, forecasting would be a lot easier. Our models would be a lot more accurate. It's just unfortunate that sometimes politics and money get in the way of it and you have to find another solution. And that must be what it was. It must be maintenance for those things. It was probably. probably expensive and, I don't know, people are probably fighting over the rights to access to it or something. And so it was probably just too much. And that's a bummer. But, you know, that is, that's crazy. I wish we had something like that here. And really, we need it in Oklahoma City because during the winter, Oklahoma City, really along the I-44 corridor, is really the line of where the cold and the warm, moist air meet. Right. So just seeing how far the moist air goes north and how far south the cold air goes is what we need to see. So here in the city is, would be where we would want that, I would think. So that would be cool to have that. Uh, offhand, do you know what the elevation of Oklahoma City is? No, but I think okay. we're above sea level. Oh, I know. I know you guys are way above sea level. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to look this up real quick because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this on another show, but I have this theory about Oklahoma, why you guys see bigger tornadoes than everybody else. But that's for a different day. But... There's so many theories. Oh my gosh, aren't there all? I mean, there's theories about everything, right? Elevation. I'm I'm doing this. I'm typing on my phone. So, elevation of Oklahoma City. Okay, the elevation of Oklahoma City, according to our friends from Google, is 1,201 feet above sea level. So, Bonnie, you basically are a thousand feet above your nearest body of water, major body of water, which is the Gulf of Mexico. So you're a thousand feet up into the atmosphere. So it makes more sense that you guys would have, in theory, you know, better chances of freezing rain than snow. But again, 
a thousand mm. feet up doesn't really mean anything because if you get these true sharp cold fronts, you're going to have the profile top to bottom freezing cold. Out here yeah. in Oregon, I'm sitting right now at 210 feet above sea level. So you basically live a thousand feet above me. Yeah. If we Join were to, us up here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Join us in the rarefied air of Oklahoma City. <laughs> right. And I mean, you go west, you go into Denver and you're at over a mile high, which, mm-hmm. again, if you look at the United States, uh, from the Rockies east, everything funnels down to the Gulf of Mexico and then the Atlantic Ocean once you get past, you know, the Appalachian uh, Mountains. But I, it's just one of those things where, man, elevation plays such a key role. And if you have a radio tower that, say, is a thousand feet high, which I know there are plenty of them in Oklahoma because I've seen them driving through Oklahoma, you know, you put a temperature gauge on that and all of a sudden, look, you have a 3D profile of the atmosphere. And it's one of those things that just bugs me because I know, like, the answer is so simple. If you could just find the money to do it, you mm-hmm. could have all this more data that can feed into a model and would make it, you know, an easier forecast for everybody. But it's just one of those things where you don't necessarily. We settle for the National Weather Service standard six feet high, you know, three, two meters up. That's the temperature that um, the official gauges are posted at. And we go from there. Well, and I think that you're right, though. It does have to do with money, and then it has to do with who owns those towers. And right. I think it just becomes so much more complicated than it needs to be. It's like, just let us put a thermometer up there. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, again, TV and radio towers, you're admitting, you know, a frequency. And so you have to worry about that possibly getting, you know, in there and affecting the yeah. wiring and everything else. And so it's just, it's just a giant mess. But... Uh, all right, we've we've talked way too much about this. Brian, let's get to the forecast. I know you had mentioned it. You have some colder coming up. What are some of the specifics? Well, okay, so we're cold today, cold, solid, cloudy all day long. It's been freezing. It's going to warm up a little tomorrow, a little on Wednesday. Then Thursday, the next cold front comes in and things start to cool off. And that's when all this fun starts that we don't know what it's going to be. Some rain, some freezing rain, some sleet, some snow. And that's all supposed to end Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. So Friday through Saturday is looking to be interesting. And all we can do is just recheck the models each day as we get closer and closer to see right. what they're saying. And honestly, even that's not going to do it. we got to wait till the day of and see what the temperatures are and the humidity and, the, you know, everything. So I would almost rather now cast and do it in real time. Then sit there and just wait for the models every six hours. Right. Because, I mean, at least you know by the time the event starts, okay, well, what are our parameters? What's really going on in the atmosphere? And you can make your adjustment and forecast off that. But, man, when you know, wish casting is not fun. Model riding sometimes is not fun where you're just like, oh, hurry up and get here. Yeah, but exactly. I don't like, let's see what unfolds. And right. especially when there, we've got some models right now that, do not even kind of match up some show not much happening some show eight or nine inches of snow here so it's like okay you're not helping because these aren't close (laughs) right well out here in oregon like i said we're going to be under the same you know kind of high pressure cold air that you are going to be in until you make this transition uh into the weekend uh we're going to be clear and cold here for the next couple days uh the east wind is going to kick up tonight and it will last through you know monday tuesday wednesday and then finally die off no precip in the next seven days i uh, had a past rainy weekend for my brother's wedding uh thankfully no rain actually during the photos or the ceremony so that was great 
Uh, the ceremony was indoors, so congratulations to Ben and Marissa. But, uh, man, it was cold out there. Cold and cloudy is not fun. If it's going to be cold and cloudy, I want snow. I want winter precip. I don't need drizzle. I can't stand it. Uh, I, I don't mind drizzle when it's above 50 degrees, but anything under 50 to 32, I want snow. Yeah. You, you're just waste, yeah. you're wasting the potential energy of a potential snowfall, and I just do not like that. So uh, that's that's kind of the weather outlook for Oregon. Uh, clear and cold going forward. I know today we were in the mid fifty or mid forties. I uh, got way ahead of myself. So mid forties. Uh, the low this morning when I got in my car to go to work was twenty eight degrees, uh, which was way cold. Thankfully, I now have heat back in my car, so it wasn't too bad. Uh, it was very it was a very pleasant drive to work, but uh, clear and cold, and hopefully we get into some snow. Although I have a feeling I'm not going to see snow until. Probably I venture over into the Cascades on my way to Christmas in Central Oregon, which is pretty much guaranteed to be a white Christmas. So with that said, knock on wood, I hope that I do see some snow uh, before Christmas. Yeah, me too. We don't get white Christmases often. We get snow in December, but it doesn't always match up with sure. Christmas. So. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you guys will get a, a reinforcing shot of Arctic air and then, you know, you'll get a, a low that drifts out of the Gulf and... Poof, two, you know, two ingredients come together and you guys get a, a white Christmas in Oklahoma City. Well, fingers crossed. Right? Fingers crossed. Right. Well, we appreciate you joining us this week on another edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby from Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.